You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we'll take you round the league with Peter King, from MMQB, we'll check in with Stan White of the Ravens Radio Network, but let's kick off the podcast with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Hey, and Brian Weber, Nick Ferguson with you. Always a pleasure. Look forward to chatting with you every Sunday here on First and Goal. Let's start in Houston. How concerned are the Tennessee Titans about Marcus Mariota having to leave that game with a hamstring injury? Well, anytime you have a quarter, first of all, I'm very excited to join you guys for the season as well. Let me say that first. Uh, but anytime you have a quarterback like Mariota with a hamstring injury, it's concerning. He's going to have an MRI that's likely going to be tomorrow just to ascertain the severity of this. Didn't seem too, too severe right now, but of course he's a quarterback who runs a lot, dual threat guy. Uh, until you get the MRI results, you're going to be concerned. But the other thing is, you know, this is something that can linger. He might be able to play, but might not be himself for a little bit, considering how much he runs. A lot riding on this MRI for the Titans. Ian, Nick Ferguson here. Uh, Dalvin Cook was very impressive so far uh, in this NFL season. He gingerly walked off the field. What can you tell us about his injury and how could this affect uh, what the Vikings – and how they run the ball moving forward. Yeah, drastically expected to affect the Vikings. I'm told that the initial diagnosis is a nearly complete ACL tear, which would mean he is out for the season. He's got an MRI tomorrow to confirm that, but it was a non-contact injury. It did not look good. It did not feel good. The Vikings fear the worst, and they'll find out tomorrow if those fears are confirmed. But, you know, this was a second-round pick, a guy who – you know, probably as impressive a rookie as you've seen. They have Latavius Murray, who's impressive, and you know I, there had been thoughts that he could be a top back at some point, but he might have to be one sooner rather than later when it looks like the Vikings are going to be without Dalvin Cook this season. Could be a devastating blow to a team still waiting to get their quarterback Sam Bradford yeah. back from his latest knee issue. Taking you around the league with one of the best in the business, it's Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, let me take you back to Thursday night. Mike Lennon, the turnover machine, four turnovers. How much consideration are the Bears giving to making the move to Mitchell Trubisky this week? They are at least considering it, which is more than they've done, uh, you know, for the first couple games of the season. I mean, obviously, anytime you have someone like Mitchell Trubisky, you trade it up for, you know, not just top five pick, but someone you trade it up for, anytime the quarterback struggles, it is going to be a concern. The thing is, though, teams usually play the guy who gives them the best chance to win. You don't hide guys on the sidelines. So you have to figure if Trubisky gave them the best chance to win, he would have been in there, for instance, last week. You know, If they don't go to him now, I would say then it is pretty clear that Glennon is far ahead of him and you know, will probably stay in there as quarterback. But you know, big decision coming this week, no doubt, for the Bears. Ian, you know, we watched the game earlier with the Atlanta Falcons and the injuries are starting to pile up for them. When you look at the games that they played thus far this season, the only game that stands out where they were truly dominating was the Green Bay Packers game and hard-fought loss against 
uh, the Bills today. Both Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu leave the game, one with a hip flexor injury and Muhammad Sanu with a hamstring injury. Now, you know, looking at the remaining schedule for the Atlanta Falcons, the next game is against the Miami Dolphins, and after that, they're at the New England Patriots for a rematch of the Super Bowl. Could we expect to see either of these guys miss significant time? We don't know that. Um, you know, for for Julio, he's been able to play through so much that, you know, there there is a little bit of hope that he's actually out there and plays and all of that. But um, with Sanu, you know, it's a – Similar to Mariota, I mean, it's a hamstring, and these things can really, you know, take take over, uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, they can they can linger and they can be ever present. Um, you know, I would expect tests on both guys. I would expect them both to be limited in practice if they do practice, and then, you know, there will be issues at least for this week and and potentially more. But you know, when you look at the Falcons, I mean, Vic Beasley's out; they lose their top two receivers. Um, this is getting to be a pretty serious situation uh, for Atlanta. And we got the Colts on the road in Seattle tonight, Sunday Night Football here on TuneIn Premium. Is this finally going to be the week that Andrew Luck comes back to practice? It sounds like it is. That is the plan. Uh, They thought it was going to be last week, but his shoulder just didn't quite pass the test that it needed to. So they said, all right, it'll be another week. But if you play it forward, so yes, figure Luck practices this week. Okay, well, then he's not going to snap his fingers and be ready. Then you say, well, maybe it's two weeks to be ready or maybe three weeks. So they took him off the PUP list, probably not going to be ready by week six, maybe by week seven or eight. Um, Certainly not what the Colts wanted, but what can you do? He just, everyone's doing the right things. He just has not been ready. Finally, Ian, none of us are lawyers, but what's coming up on the legal front tomorrow in Ezekiel Elliott's suspension and the NFL now trying to figure out what's going on on the appellate level? Yeah, and the Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals in New Orleans, basically what the league is going to try to do is uh, win the right to keep Elliott suspension this season. So the NFLPA got uh, a stay, or the NFLPA got an injunction, basically pausing the suspension. What the NFL wants to do is get that injunction removed and get Elliott to serve a suspension this year. What we don't know is how quickly this court is, is going to rule. Um, you know, they're going to have a hearing. It's going to be a three-judge panel. That's going to be on Monday. And then after that, you know, it's the federal court. So could they just go through the whole process and it be months? Possibly. Could they, you know, the NFL lose and and it be months? Yeah. Could it be a couple of days and they decide? Yeah, it could possible also. So a lot rides on this hearing. And even at the end of Monday, we still won't know the answer because then the judge will have to deliberate and, uh, and make their decisions. And great information as always. We're thrilled to have you as part of the TuneIn team. Just a heads up, Nick and I do seven hours commercial-free audio content, so let me apologize in advance. We pump up the volume, a lot of caffeine to get us through the day, but we look forward yeah. to this conversation next <laughs> week as well. Thanks, Ian. My kind of guys. <laughs> Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The passion. The 25 first down, 15, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's the home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Turn- 
15-0 Buckeyes. On the goal line, touchdown Texas. Balls on the carpet, Georgia says we have it. He's in, touchdown Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's take you around the league with Peter King of the MMQB. Now it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start in Minnesota. How concerned are the Vikings about Dalvin Cook's knee injury? Yeah, I think it was one of those things today that, you know, whenever you see a guy go down with a non-contact injury and then you see Case Keenum waving madly, hurry up, get out here, get out here, you obviously think the worst. You also think the worst when they immediately say he's out, uh, not just say, hey, he's questionable to return. So, uh, you know, obviously they'll do the MRI, but I think the first this might be knee injury. You want to you want to let the MRI happen though before you you judge it with finality, of course. Peter Nick Ferguson here. You know, looking at the Rams last year, of course they didn't perform well enough uh, to keep Jeff Fisher around. Enter now Sean McVay <clears throat> and Jared Goff, and that offense looked entirely uh, different. What is the the limit or the ceiling for the Rams and Jared Goff at this time? Yeah, I talked to Sean McVay after the game today in Dallas. I mean, really, the story of the year in the NFL right now, without any question, is the fact the Rams in three of their four games have scored 35 points or more. And so much of that has to do with the fact that Sean McVay has come in and basically said to this team, we've got good talent here, really good talent. I believe in this quarterback. I don't care what anybody says about this quarterback. I believe in him. He can make all the throws. One of the things he said to me today, Nick, was even with all of the bad stuff that happened to him last year, he came in when he first met me in the offseason, the ultimate confident kid. And, you know, you you would think he'd be beaten down by going 0-7 and performing poorly, throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. But but he, he wasn't. And I think they started from a position of confidence. And Sean McVay, you asked Kirk Cousins, who who really was a crucial guy to making him the great, well, the very good quarterback he is right now. And you'll see that he'll he'll talk for for days about how McVay is. And I think it's all the mark of this team. Plus, hey, three new wide receivers, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, huge, huge additions to this offense. They know how to get open. Taking you around the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Conversely, Peter, the L.A. Chargers now 0-4. Another tight loss this time to the Eagles. And watching that game, a lot of Philly fans filling the StubHub Center in Carson. How concerned are league officials about the Chargers failing to gain traction in L.A.? Well, there's nothing they can do about it now. They knew that I was in training camp this year in San Diego or in Orange County for the Chargers. And I ran into Jim Hill, the legendary sportscaster from LA. And we were talking and I, I asked him basically, Hey, if fans here had their choice, what would they want? And he said, they'd want the Raiders. So, you know, really the Raiders would be number one. The Rams would be number three. The Raiders would be number one. The Rams would be number four. And there just aren't 
many Charger fans in the San Diego area until you get to the very far south region of, of Los Angeles and, and beyond that, beyond Orange County. So they always knew that this was going to be a struggle. And look, you're 0-4. They're not going to have any fans come to their games if they keep losing, period. They're always going to be road games. And, you know, you you could hear it. I didn't see a lot of that game today, but the few plays I saw, you could see. <laughs> you know, you could see the, the Eagles fans there. So, look, it was always said that if you don't win in L.A., it doesn't matter who goes there. If, if, if you don't win, you're going to be like the Clippers were for so many years in L.A. Peter, all right, you know, the New England Patriots, Super Bowl winning uh, defenders uh, at this point, they score a lot of points. We know about Tom Brady being 40, but the biggest storyline coming out of New England is the fact of Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia's defense being rounding out the bottom as far as the amount of yards and points that they give up. Is this an easy fix or is it one of those things that they're still waiting for the cohesiveness to gel with a lot of their new players? Well, I think one of the really underrated losses um, this year, honestly, with the, with the Patriots, you know, I think nobody really valued all that much Rob Ninkovich, you know, as a front seven guy, a really versatile player. He was Bill Belichick's modern-day Mike Brable. And uh, so he's gone, and they really don't have anybody to take his place. Dante Hightower is not physically 100% now, and – and I just think they don't have any playmakers on that front seven. Now, Trey Flowers could grow into one. But, look, I, I mean, this is why the season is four months long. We finish one month. Patriots are two and two. Um, I, I, I still think they're going to win their division, and I still think that they're going to win at least one playoff game. This is a very good offensive team. And who else would you rather – have trying to figure out how to make this defense work again than Bill Belichick. Peter, last one for me. We know the Bills haven't made the playoffs since 1999, but they're off to a 3-1 and one start, albeit based on some injuries slowing down the Falcons today. What do you make of what Sean McDermott's been able to do at the outset, changing the culture of the Bills? The biggest thing that they have done is they have become the kind of physical team that Sean McDermott really wanted to do right at the beginning. I don't know if you guys noticed, but they had a field goal drive today uh, that they they held the ball for 11 minutes and 20 seconds. That will probably be the longest single possession of this year in the NFL. Guarantee you, when Sean McDermott meets with his coaches tomorrow in Buffalo, he will get up there and he'll look at the offensive coaches and he said he'll say, "Guys, that is a big win." for the offense because you're keeping Matt Ryan off the field for 11 and a half minutes. So I think when you do things like that, you instill a mindset in your players that when we need to play like the 85 giants, like the, the 92 Cowboys, you know, when, when they just try to mash the ball against the opposition, that's what the bills are doing now in this offensive line you know, is really been the key, most consistent point to this team so far this year. Peter, great information as always. We are pleased that we're tuning up our coverage here with you on TuneIn. Thanks so much for the insights, and we'll chat with you on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. Sounds great, guys. Thank you very much.
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Get to know your favorite artists on Fireside Chat. Join yours truly, Anthony Valadez, and DJ Reflex to hear today's most compelling artists tell behind-the-scenes stories, personal tales, and inspirational moments. Toronto MC Jazz Cartier stops by and discusses how living in the Middle East has shaped his world perspective. Living in Kuwait, one of my favorite places to live. I went in with, like, an expectation, or, you know, but then I went there, and it was just, like, one of the most peaceful places I've ever been to in my life. It's all on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the Ravens' loss to the Steelers with Stan White from the Ravens Radio Network. Stan, as always, we appreciate the time. You win as a team, you lose as a team, but Joe Flacco had another shaky game with a couple interceptions. How do you think he's doing physically coming back from the back injury? Uh, I think he's fine physically. I think that the fact that they're you know, they have one offensive lineman back from last year, and uh, they've gone through so many. It's been amazing how many injuries they've gone through. You can always make excuses, but he missed some throws today. Uh, he's not playing well. Uh, I think he would be the first guy to say that. He's got to play better. Uh, he needs some little uh, help up front. But they have three wide receivers that are, uh, you know, that can give people problems that have speed. Mike Wallace, Brashard Perryman, Jeremy Macklin. And they're just not getting them the ball. And when they're open, they're not hitting him. And when they when he does hit them, they Mike Wallace dropped a long pass today that would have been, you know, a 50, 60 yard gain down the sideline, and he dropped it. And then Brashard Perryman was wide open for a touchdown, and Joe overthrew him. So they are not hitting when they get their opportunities. That's for sure. Stan, Nick Ferguson here. Speaking of that, when I look at that wide receiving core, you're absolutely right. They have some guys like Mike Wallace, who could take the top off the defense. And when you sit back and you analyze the offensive woes that they're experiencing thus far, I mean, you know, at first glance, an optics say, well, let's blame Joe Flacco. Is that fair in blaming Joe Flacco? Or now we're saying, well, maybe it's the play caller that's not gelling with the type of talent that the Ravens have on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think you always got to go up and down that whole list and say which one is it. Uh, uh, you know, as you know, as anybody that's played knows, that if you can't win in the trenches, it's hard to – I don't care how many skill guys you have on the outside, uh, you're not going to get time to throw the football. And right now, their offensive line is just uh, piecemeal. They're putting it together. They're trying to do the best they can. Uh, Alex Collins has done a good job running the football. He had a 50-yard run, a 23-yard run, uh, but he fumbled the ball. So whatever is going right, ends up going wrong for the team right now. The last two, I mean, last week after the first half, it was 17 first downs for Jacksonville to one for the Ravens. This week it was 15 first downs for Pittsburgh to three for the Ravens. You can't bury yourself in the first half in this league and expect to ever win football games. And so they got to get out and, uh, and try to get uh, something going in that first half. Stan White from the Ravens Game Day Network is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Stan, how much did the offensive line issues that you've been delineating play into what happened on the ground? Just 15 carries from nearly 82 yards. Uh, yeah, and it was all Alex, Alex Collins. And, uh, you know, like I said, though, uh, John Harbaugh said after the game, you know, he's fumbled twice now in two games that, you know, you can't put up with that. You know, you can't. I mean, he fumbled at the worst moment in this game and gave – 
Pittsburgh the opportunity to make it a three-score game, uh, even in the first half. So it, it's it's you you got to hold on to the football. He's an explosive player, but if you put the ball on the ground, it's not going to work. The offensive line, I'm hoping they're going to get better as time goes on. Ronnie Stanley's the only guy they got back from last year, and he went down with injury. He came back, he's okay. But, you know, when he went down, everybody was going, oh, my gosh. I mean, they have nobody left now. Uh, luckily, he did come back and play. But uh, it's it's very piecemeal. That's the word I used before, and I think that's the word we'll be using for this offensive line. And if they don't get better, then they aren't going to have a they aren't going to have a great year. That's for sure. Stan, early on in this in the season, you know, the Ravens defense uh, created a lot of turnovers. And, and granted, that was against the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, who were both in their division, kind of looking reminiscent of a lot of those championship uh, defenses that the, the Ravens have had over the years. But over the last two games, not looking as brilliant as they used to uh, look. Do, do you see that maybe there's there, there's a fall off on the defense because there's a lack of pressure, there's a lack of cohesiveness on that defensive unit? Because I'm not used to seeing this Raven defense play the way they played over the last two weeks. Yeah, it's hard to believe that Brandon Williams, who they you know they paid fifty million dollars to. Uh, to stop the run in the middle and create pressure and, you know, collapse the pocket in the middle is that much of a difference. But it's either that or the competition, one of the two, because they've been, they have not been nearly as good the last two games as they were in those first two games. I think they had uh, eight interceptions and, uh, you know, 10 sacks in the first two games, something like that. It, they just have not, have not made very many plays the last two games. They got a real, fortunate lucky interception today but other than that they didn't do too much uh on on defense and part of it they put no pressure on ben roethlisberger he had all day to sit back there and throw and that the two issues that were big issues going into the season were the offensive line and that has been a real disaster because the guys you thought might be playing are even there are hurt and then will they get any pressure on the passer all they have was terrell suggs and some young guys they started off pretty fast, but uh, they've, they've hit a, a hump real early. They're getting no pressure on the quarterback. Stan, you mentioned the level of competition heading into this game. There was a lot of national chatter about what's wrong with Le'Veon Bell. Well, he came alive in this one, unfortunately, for the Ravens, given the timing of the matchup. How did he look to you from your broadcast booth? Because the stat line was impressive. Well, yeah, no, he looked good. I mean, he carried the ball a lot. He was only averaging 3.5 yards a carry well into the fourth quarter, and if you can hold him to 3.5 yards of carry, you're pretty good. But then he broke off a few long runs in the fourth quarter and it got it over four yards of carry. But uh, I thought they did a decent job on him, but he's a great player. And, he, you know, even when he catches checkdowns, he gets big yardage. But uh, uh, he ran some counters that bounced outside. He got outside. and uh, He's a dangerous guy, and he made them go today because they – they could get some. They got enough yardage out of him, three, four, or five yards, and then he'd break a long one. So uh, he looks like he's back in the swing of things. Uh, we were hoping he'd be taking one more game to get back from the, missing all of training camp, but uh, he looked like the old guy today. Stan, you know, uh, two two back to back losses for the Baltimore Ravens, but we've kind of seen these type of things in years past. But uh, somehow they've been able to right the ship at the right time. And looking at the fact that. Uh, both the Bengals and the Browns are, are not really playing good football right now. Could we see, and I know it's early, I know it's, it's week four, but uh, could we see the Bengals, I mean, excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens somehow squeak 
into the playoffs, maybe that number six seed, maybe. And because in past, once they get in, they make a lot of noise. But could could this be one of those years where they kind of squeak in? Well, that's what they're hoping. John Harbaugh mentioned after the uh, game that we've been worse than two and two before and going to the AFC championship game. So, uh, yeah, when they get in the play, nobody wants to see the Ravens in the playoffs. That's for sure because I think they're what ten and. 10 and six or something in the playoffs have won more games on the road than anybody. Joe Flacco's won more games on the road as a, as a playoff quarterback than anybody in NFL history. So they are a dangerous team when it gets to that point, they just got to get to that point. And it's an uphill battle. Now, you know, the game in London was so critical. It could have been three and zero coming back and have, a, you know, have room to have a, a speed bump and lose to Pittsburgh. And now they got to go back out to Oakland on the West coast and play a game all the way across the country. So it's uphill from here. Do they have the people to do it? Do they have the coach to do it? Yes. Now they just got to go out and do it. Stan, as always, we appreciate the insights. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Okay, guys, anytime. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Here we go. Come and hang out with Herdwell Radio, the only 24-7 radio station curated by social influencers for the fans they love. From morning tunes to afternoon blues, we've got you covered. That's what we do. That's who we be. Check out our station for exclusive interviews with top trending creators and new emerging artists. We also have in-studio acoustic sessions, live events, and so much more. What are you waiting for? Check out Herdwell Radio today for the best in music and entertainment. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time to get the key takeaways from Cordell Stewart, my NFL No Huddle co-host. Cordell, a lot to dissect. Let's start in your area. The Atlanta Falcons have been living dangerously this year. Could have lost week one on the road in Chicago. Could have lost last week on the road in Detroit. How about the effort that Buffalo put together on the road in Atlanta, albeit with injuries to be factored in? Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones both went down for the Falcons, down for the Falcons in this one. Well, I mean, I, I tell you what, the way this Falcons team has has been playing on offense and just overall as a team, not being able to finish, not really putting teams away. I mean, that's just to me has been uh, their somewhat model in, in a sense of how they play. Um, really had to boil down what Tyrod Taylor uh, could actually bring to the table. And I thought he played very well, being able to move in the pocket the way he wanted to, uh, being able to find the guys open on those drag routes. For some reason, the Falcons just couldn't find uh, those drag routes to really to put this team in position. And, and I thought by committee, the running game was pretty solid. But most importantly, it was really about the defense and how hard uh, they made it for Atlanta to be as explosive as they wanted to. And just think about two injuries for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think you had Julio Jones as well as Sanu, two guys with a hamstring and also I think a knee issue that really hindered this team from really having a chance to be as, as explosive as they really want to be. And Vic Beasley, he's really missed when it comes down to apply, applying pressure. So here in Atlanta, uh, it, it was a loss. I think that was really creeping up just a little bit after you alluded to a moment ago, seeing them play struggle against a Chicago Bears team uh, in, in, in a couple other games within there. So it, it's, 
it's not a shock to me. It was just a matter of time. But the question is now moving forward. How do they correct those those issues? And right now we see the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East as the number one team with the Jets being second, New England being third, and the Miami Dolphins being last. How about that? Go ahead. Well, well Cordell, sticking, sticking with that theme, let's, let's stay there. You know, the, the Miami Dolphins played the New Orleans Saints in the early game over in the U.K. in the international series. And Adam Gates, the head coach, after the game was asked, you know, is it time to change his quarterback? And he said no. After watching, you know, Jay Cutler over three weeks, because they didn't play the first game due to the Hurricanes uh, down in Miami, have you seen enough of Jay Cutler to say, well, maybe Adam Gase may need to rethink his strategy and go to the bullpen and pull out Matt Moore? Well, I know you, you some throws he needed to make wasn't there, taking sacks or what have you. But when you give a guy a one-year $10 million deal. You can't get enough of him. You have to make sure that you're not ready to pull the plug extremely quick because now it becomes a, a conversation of why would you give him a one-year deal worth $10 million bucks if you're willing to pull him that quick and you're only looking at being in what, week three, week four? I, I think that would be a, a jump-into-conclusion type move and going to Matt Moore because if that's the case, you should have just started Matt Moore from the beginning of the year. Maybe bring Jake Cutler in as a backup, but, of course, he wouldn't have left the number two team uh, being a, a color analyst uh, with CBS, uh, Fox, excuse me, to 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 leave that booth to actually end up going out there to be a backup. So um, I would I wouldn't touch it right now. Um, so, again, so, so I just think it's a matter of getting his feet wet and getting getting warmed up and just getting back into the flow. It's still early. Get back into the flow and see what happens. Not not to cut you off, but you said, well, don't do that just yet because of the amount of money that you gave Jay Cutler on a one year deal. I thought it was about winning football games. So are you saying stick with Jay Cutler even though you have the Titans coming up and the Falcons coming up? If he still is not putting up productive numbers, you just still stick with that whole idea. Well, he was my guy. I brought him in, so now we're just going to ride him on out. Well, you have to because now that's, that's, that's somewhat, it's like we like to say, that's crow thrown back in your own face because this is the guy you chose to grab other than a few other quarterbacks that were out there. Rather even be Colin Kaepernick. You just you just walked away from it and say, you know what, I'm going with this one player. So I think from from my perspective, sure, you can go ahead and put Matt Moore in. From my personal perspective, but I think from the standpoint of of how I know he's probably going to have to play it out for the next few weeks, he's going to have to stick with Jay Cutler. He has no choice. I mean, he made this, this decision to bring someone in that knew the system that was once run between those two in Chicago. And so now you get to this point where you say, okay, I want to make this move right now, this hasty move right now, because Jay Cutler's not playing that good. Well, I think you have to look at the entire board and look at the defense, look at the running game, look at the receiving core, and see actually what everyone is able to do. And if everyone else is playing well except my quarterback, yes, then I'll go I'll go to that point. But I don't think you you necessarily have to at this point in time, especially you just mentioned the Tennessee Titans. Did you see that behind whooping they took today? This is the time to play the Tennessee Titans after <laughs> we saw the Houston Texans, what they did to them. Trust me. And you know how I feel about the Titans. So that behind whooping they took today, I mean, it was a natural one. Um, this is the time you leave Jay Cutler in and allow him to play. 57 to 14? I mean, you saw that young kid and Deshaun Watson play the type of football that – he looked like he played when he was in, in college. I mean, he looked like Absolutely. he was having a great time. I mean, he was making plays with his feet. Uh, he was forcing his defense. 
of, of the Tennessee Titans. They have to chase him, but he looked calm. He looked collective. He looked. He looks as if he did win the game the week prior against the New England Patriots. I think kind of drawing energy and positive feedback from that type of performance and carried over against a team within their division that they had to get on top of uh, in order to really take command. Because now here it is, two weeks in a row, they putting up over how many points? What was it, 30 points or so or more? They put the last time we saw the Houston Texans put up 57 points? Never. It was <laughs> Never. the Houston Oilers. Ever. Yeah, it was Earl yeah, Campbell when they were the and Houston Dan Pastorini it- back in the day with Bon Phillips patrolling the sideline. He is Nick Ferguson. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with our good friend, Cordell Stewart. Moments ago, E.J. Manuel in for the injured Derek Carr out with the apparent back injury through an interception. Trevor Simeon's in the victory formation. Denver's going to beat Oakland 16-10. San Francisco in Arizona. They're in overtime. San Francisco's gotten the football to start the extra session. We'll let you know how things play out and take you there live momentarily. Cordell, what'd you take away from Carolina's dramatic win on the road in New England? Cam Newton came alive, and the Patriots' defense remains pretty shaky. I tell you what, it was bound to happen in that situation as well. Uh, you have a New England Patriots defense that was the worst defense in the, all the National Football League. I think allowing, what, on an average, maybe 40 points or more against that defense on an average. And and, and that's pretty heroic. I mean, I mean, how can you say it? Ferocious or horrible or horrendous? When you think of a, a, a Bill Belichick. That's hor- terrible. All that's that great terrible. stuff. Trying to find whichever one you can find to, to really indicate how bad it is. But you don't see defenses like this. Uh, with 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 Bill Belichick, often you don't see that, and, and to get it to the point where you're now 100% relying on your offense, uh, I, I think it really handicaps uh, this team at the end of the day when it's all said and done with what they may want to do with the even just starting with the division. I mean, I know we don't want to jump the gun because it's Bill Belichick and look who they have in a division, but that defense you saw today by Coach Frazier and the Buffalo Bills and the things that the offense did do. They play cohesively, uh, I, I, would, I would say, as a group, meaning the defense gave them plays, offense had methodical drives, play-action pass, eating up the clock, scoring touchdowns, forcing this Atlanta Falcons team to have to play from behind. That type of football by that one particular team within that division I think brings hope to them moving forward. And it's early, it's early, but the more you win in that fashion, just like the loss you had with the, the Houston Texans in putting up the points they did, you get some type of confidence and good feeling about yourself as you move forward with seeing the weaknesses that a team within your division ha- have right now. I think that's what the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills have. And you better believe the New England Patriots, they're probably as scared as scared can be right now uh, uh, considering because we've never seen anything like that before. And I don't know if the offense will be able to hold up uh, for the remainder of the year to have to carry the load on this level. We've seen it done before, but not to this extent where you're the worst overall defense in the entire National Football League. All right, Cordell, last week everyone was raving about, you know, Case Keenum, and I was hearing people talk about the fact that it really doesn't make a difference who's the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, they're going to continue to post numbers, but that wasn't the case today. 16 of 30, 219 yards, no touchdown for Case Keenum, but the bigger storyline is Dalvin Cook who is now is being reported that it's an ACL injury. How does this totally change the dynamic and impact the Minnesota Vikings? Big time. I mean, he was the, he was the true cowbell of, 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 this, of this offense in the sense of how it operated. I think how the play selections 
uh, were actually called when it comes down to play calling. And and just think about Thielen, one of the most reliable receivers, he and Diggs, on his team. I mean, he catches a catch. He catches a ball in the latter part of the game. He ends up fumbling it, and that ended up costing them the game, which gave Detroit the opportunity to go ahead and put points on the board to win that game. But look, the Detroit Lions, I mean, is anyone drinking a Kool-Aid yet? Because for me personally, would I watch how this football team plays around the quarterback? And, 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 um, and let me let me make sure I get this one right. This is in uh, Matthew Stafford. Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Were> you... <laughs> I was going to let you sort that one out, partner. I had to think about it. My CT started kicking in a little bit. Hey, stop when it. You... Stop it. Go ahead. I'm just I'm talking about myself and no one else. I could do it. Um, you 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 see a situation where I think you have to start really paying attention to what that team is doing. I know you ask about Case Keenum, and yes, I was one of those that said because of how he played the week prior and what we saw of Sam Bradford in week one, yes, you can easily say that. But when you start losing Cook, you see play playmakers dropping the ball, creating fumbles. The game was too close to allow those types of mistakes and injuries to come about to really overcome it to be as good as you were uh, two out of the last three weeks. So I think it ended up catching him in this, and of course this Detroit team is really, really playing some really good football. So it was just bound to happen. It was a matter of time, and I, I think it, it, it caught them uh, today to where you end up seeing this team uh, walking away by a touchdown. But we, have, we haven't talked about the L.A. Rams and the Cowboys, but we don't have to if you don't want to. But honestly, we talked about that, that offense, that team, scoring the most points of any team in the National Football League of 35.7, rounded up 36 points. They gave 35 points today. If this team can continue to score points, I don't care who they're playing against. If they could continue that average, it's going to be hard for teams to keep up with the Rams when they do it the way they've done it. 30 carries, 250 yards by Ty Gurley, catching balls out of the backfield for touchdowns on little, little like little, how do you call them, little wheel routes between the seams where nobody saw him coming, the defense by Wade Phillips, they're playing. They get, you saw that defense today, uh, uh, Nick. You yeah. probably were sitting here saying you haven't seen a defense like this. Probably, in the, I want you to go back <laughs> to the greatest team on the greatest show on turf. They wasn't playing that good All right, of a football. The Rams today. were 3-1 and one to start last year. Oh, here okay? he goes. So here he goes. Before we ram it, let's just he, here goes. take go a ahead. breath and pause. I admire the passion and energy. Get some rest, and we'll have three big hours tomorrow on the NFL on TuneIn, it's NFL No Huddle with my main man, Cordell Stewart. Thank you, Cordell. Well, guys, I just want you to know, Brian Weber, yeah. I'm not delusional. I just need you to get on board to not look at the records, but look at how they're actually playing. They're playing totally different. So I will see you tomorrow. Okay. So take your time. I'm the guy who told you Jared Goff should have been starting from week oh, one God, last here, year. Oh, God, here we'll he goes. Last year, huh? Litigate that <laughs> you tomorrow. hear this, Nick? I'm sorry you have to deal with that and, for 30 and, more and minutes. there he guys. goes. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The passion. Oh, 25, first down, 20. 15, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. On the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Bliss. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. 
This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's celebrate individual achievement. It's time for Nick's Picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks. On a mix real quick, and I like to say he's not flash, but he's fast, and he knows how to play. Ezekiel Elliott, 139s of total offense, and two added touchdowns on the day with the Green Bay Packers on deck. Got so much trouble on my mind, refused to lose. Better get your ticket and watch this running back get wicked. That's right. Le'Veon Bell is back, 186 yards of total offense, with two rushing touchdowns as the Steelers crush the Ravens. Got a move that tells me what to do. Sometimes I feel so nice. I want to try myself with you. That's right. I'm super bad. Phillip Rivers proving that a high pitch count has its benefits. 22 of 38, 347 yards and two touchdowns. This type of flow, don't even think about stopping. Beware the length of the rhyme and flow. Be shocking. Andy Dalton and the Bengals get on the board with the first win of the season behind the quarterback's best performance of the year. 25 of 30, 286 yards, and four touchdowns. That's a late edition of Nick's Picks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.